Welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy, and today we're diving into part two of our coverage on the Ozark Howler. Same host, same topic. Jake, how you doing, man? Man, it has been a long week since last episode. Let me tell you, <laughs> I've even changed my shirt. <laughs> no, Lauren knows all the secrets now. Yeah. <laughs> like, the this is all done scoop. in one night. Yeah, right? Four, They're good for a whole month. <laughs> four episodes in one night. Gosh, I think we've done a three-parter before, and that was the worst experience I've had podcasting. Just uh, yeah, we've destroyed. We've done I think it was like six hours straight of podcasting, and I was just like, I just want to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, next to the bat, CJ. Ooh, you changed your name. It is no longer CJ. <laughs> <laughs> He, he, his name's Fat Ass now. So, Fat Ass, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do it already. I took you a hot minute to see that. Good God. <laughs> he did that to himself. I didn't come up with that. So, whoever's commenting <laughs> on our show saying that we're mean to each other, he did that himself. He's fat shaming it. You listen, you, listen, I'm fat and I'll call whoever I want fat, especially myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. And then the guest who probably thinks that we're so fucked up, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm done listening to this stupid show. I've, I've listened to pretty much the entire show in the span of a month. I, I think I already knew y'all were messed up. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I miss doing this. I miss like talking shit to each other. It's fun. I know. It's fun. Yeah, but then you fired me and Jake, so. I did not. I quit. No, so did CJ. So did CJ. You fucking quit too. I fired Andrew, but I didn't fire you. <laughs> and you fired Wes. What a bunch of quitters. And I fired Wes. And you fired Jeff and Kenzar. Okay, no, I didn't fire Jeff and Kenzar. I I love Jeff and Kenzar. They, like, if I ever want to get back to the infinite rabbit hole how it was, they're coming back. 100%. You didn't fire them. You laid them off. Yeah, furloughed. I was trying something new. <laughs> <laughs> Which I got great feedback about. Actually, a little thing, too, is uh, I'm going to put out a poll tomorrow. I, people are going to be able to date this recording. Put out a poll tomorrow whether or not people want me to do a solo documentary episode with this to go along with this episode. Uh, you know, because I've got a lot of really good responses about the, the documentary, the new style of documentary episodes. Um, oh, because so. the Ozark Howler is so interesting. You're going to need a third episode documentary style about it. Fucking hate you. It's just so he can hear himself talk. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the only, that's the only thing. But I mean, if, 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 if not enough people care, then I'm, I'm not going to even bother the time to edit it. Just edit this I'm going to vote ten times no. <laughs> I got you, man. I'm here for you. <laughs> then I'll vote ten times yes to cancel that out. Yeah, I'm getting on pod chasing right now. One of my bots. Hold on. Yeah. No, no stop. get out of here. Get, 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 get. I'm gonna leave <laughs> 30 one star reviews on the podcast. <laughs> Don't do all that. of them say documentaries suck. <laughs> We're finally starting to recover, man. Don't do that. I've given you a five star review from the code name Benjamin. You even really? put it on Facebook. You're like, thank Aww. you so much, Ben, and I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> was it you yeah that was what oh. my name was supposed to be before my um uh so my before i was adopted my last name was schumann and it was actually jacob matthias schumann 
Um, but the thought of my name, what my mom was thinking, was uh, Benjamin Jacob Schumann until my older brother said, Mom, his initials will be BJ's. And she's like, yes. oh, she's like, oh, yeah, probably shouldn't do that. So, yeah, uh, just go by Ben every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. funny. That's that's funny. Yeah. I laughed. You got yeah. two five-star reviews for me. <laughs> Out of the three. Yeah, I did as encouragement. <laughs> Great. Thanks, man. Yeah, I got you. All right. I'm going to log into my account, uh, Digital Assassin. <laughs> you <better don't. laughs> Fuck you, dude. How no. dare you? <laughs> How dare you say that name? <laughs> I I do think that that is somebody we know. I just have a fucking feeling oh, it, about it, too. It has to be. It has to it's be. It's Grayson. <laughs> I hope not. I, I hope it's not somebody we know, because that's still it's there. It's Katie. No, she doesn't even know how to leave a review. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get into some modern sightings on this thing. And she's a for real assassin. She is. I'm actually on like my third clone. This is not the real me. I've never hung up a phone so fast in my life than when I got in trouble for calling Jeremy. <laughs> what? I, the uh, very first time I ever called Jeremy's phone, he was watching a TV show with Katie, and she like flipped out on me. I was like, "I'm so sorry," and hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's a she's a special one, man. Let me tell you, she's feisty. <laughs> yes, she is. It was terrifying. Yes, All right, a man by the name of Ted Eccleston witnessed the call of the creature in 1992 while camping in the Ozark National Forest. He described it as starting off with a high-pitched sound and continued on a spectrum of a constantly deepening tone. In 2007, the town of Forsyth, Missouri, had a rash of sightings and audible episodes in which strange sounds rang through the local area. Laura Poor witnessed the howler from the safety of her car in 2008. She described the creature as looking initially like a big ball of black fur and was the size of a bear with longer fur all over its body and a long tail. It simply darted across the road as she came to a stop, and she carried on with her drive, nervous and a bit scared. A young woman by the name of Michaela from Ozark, Missouri, wrote about her sighting of the creature on June 18, 2009. Her and her mother were driving when her mother yelled, Michaela, look! As she raised her gaze, she saw a large black creature that she described as, quote, like a deer and a dog had a one-night stand. She continues to tell that growing up in the area, you hear about the creature, but she never thought that she would actually see it. In 2011, it seemed to be making its living in Newton County, Arkansas, as it was seen several times during the year. In 2014, another flap of sightings would ensue in September in the area between Theodora and Isabel, Missouri. And in 2015, it appeared to have migrated to Devil's Den State Park. In February 2016, a man witnessed the creature near Lake Springdale in Benton County, Arkansas. His description of the beast was, quote, This mammal was the size of a bear, very fast-moving, mostly blackish and grayish, and scared me and my son tremendously. In 2017, Martha and Max Winchell were hiking through the Irish wilderness of Mark Twain National Forest when the creature appeared ahead of them on the pathway. The couple from Kansas didn't know exactly what to do, so they slowly moved away and decided it was best to just leave. As they approached their car, 
A loud shrieking roar rang through the area, and the couple soon learned that the area was a known stopping ground of the Ozark Howler. In 2018, Derek and Sharon Gilbert claimed that they witnessed the Howler attack their cats in their backyard of the house. Sharon described it as huge, black, stocky, and nimble, and Derek claims to have seen it multiple times since. July 27, 2018, Terry Shrout and Dean Grain spotted the creature while walking at night with their flashlights in the Marguerite Bray Conversation Area near Rolla, Missouri. They described that when they first saw it, it must have been in the prone position as the only thing they saw was a low-lying black silhouette. They watched as the creature rose up to about six feet tall and looked very much like a bear, but had movements which reminded them more of a cat. They were stunned that when it moved away, it leaped up about 15-20 feet up a ridgeline, making just the slightest of sounds. A hunter, in the summer of 2019, described his experience with the howler near Jasper, Arkansas, as he was driving on Highway 256. Quote, What shocked me the most, and what was most memorable, was the horns coming out of its forehead. He went on to describe it was very much like a cat. In 2020, the creature was reported to have been making quite the ruckus with its screams by Ginger Blue, Missouri. One such witness to the sounds described it as a, quote, high-pitched whining and a distant, deep yell. The same man claimed to record the sound, which was eventually scared off or killed by a volley of gunfire. Also in 2020, sightings along Route 176 near Merriam Woods in Missouri claimed that the creature was seen soaking wet in clear weather. Side note, this may be key information, as it might actually lend us some info that this creature may spend time in the water. Not, of course, as an aquatic creature, but at least enjoying a swim or maybe even making dens in underwater caverns of some sorts. Another interesting case from 2020 includes a road crew that reported a rather large number of unknown prints around the work site in the morning before work. And in 2021, a howler was spotted feasting on white pelicans as they made their annual migration across the area by the Lake of the Ozarks. Now, before we get too excited about these stories, I would like to point out that world-renowned cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman did go on record as stating that most of the sightings that are out there, uh, and many of the ones that we talked about, all come from the same person on various websites and forums, but with different usernames. How he determined that, I have no idea, but I, uh, I do respect Lauren Coleman's work and who he is, so, I mean, that, that does have some weight for me. What do you guys think? Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Michaela definitely saw Man Bear Pig. Oh, 100%. And uh, nice flap usage, we should tell Ashers. We will not. <laughs> um, you know, I'm less likely and not in all circumstances like with bigfoot i'm kind of like even in the middle as far as like old sightings new sightings because there's you know seems to be a decent amount of photographic and video evidence starting to come out now but when it comes to other types of cryptids i'm less inclined to believe more recent accounts or accounts because with lack of photographic evidence. Mm. 
Now, I'm not saying that I have my phone out recording at all times so that if anything jumps out at me while I'm on a hike or whatever it is, I'll have it recorded. But when someone like, I want to say it was the, the couple, uh, the couple that it like came back over and over again, I had one person key my truck and I got some blink, you know, Bluetooth cameras and installed them in front of my house where my driveway is. If I saw something crazy like that, and then again, I'd put out some cameras. It wouldn't cost me really anything and just have them recording. So if it came back again, I'd be able to capture it. So when there's, you know, things like that, I'm less likely to believe it, especially since we're in this age and this realm of um, videography and, and photographs and all that sort of stuff. But then you said at the end that, what all of these accounts came from the same person with different usernames now most of them so lauren coleman he does a lot of books a lot of books and he, mm -hmm. he does a lot of forums and stuff he's a very very he's probably the world the most world famous cryptozoologist still alive i mean you had the bernard mm -hmm. wavelman and and a, a couple others out there that are very popular but they all passed away lauren coleman uh when he speaks the community listens um and mm -hmm. he i don't know exactly which ones he was talking about uh but he did say that all of them were from the same poster by different different names i i guess the only way you can confirm that is by ip address right right um lauren jump in because i think this is more in your realm of things um <laughs> Te technology computers and i unless it's excel we do not get along uh -huh. So. <laughs> I just thought that's not engineer, you know. Anyways, I... so in order to actually confirm that, he would actually need that person to admit, like verbally admit that they were the same person on multiple accounts, yeah. or you would have to have some sort of uh, legal precedence to file what's called a John Doe lawsuit uh, with an ISP to obtain um, information based on where things came from, IP wise and whatnot. I don't. Or unless I don't he know. did something illegal. He could have done something illegal and hacked him. Maybe. Now I know Lauren Coleman takes cryptozoology extremely, extremely serious. He has a he has a uh, really popular uh, museum in Maine. Uh, it is the International Cryptozoology Museum, and it's. I mean, the, the guy he is very passionate about this. His books are fantastic. So I mean, maybe he did take a little offense to people coming out with so much shit that he thought was complete BS. He could also have interviewed the guy and been like for one of his accounts and then found out to be complete BS and then been like, all right, cut the crap. You know what's going on? Maybe. And then make the guy admit it. Maybe. Definitely could have. Uh, I don't know yeah, if he'd go the legal route. Pick, picks or it didn't happen. There are photos of a supposed Ozark yes. Howler. Um, and <laughs> I'm not horribly inclined to believe the validity of them. But I do think it's interesting, the one account that Jeremy was going over about it looked like a mix between a dog and a deer, because that's exactly what that photo looks like to me. It looks like some kind of dog thylacine looking thing with some antlers on it. That looks like a fucked up Fiji mermaid version, like somebody took multiple animals and glued them together. <laughs> Are you looking at the pictures? Uh, yeah. It looks, um, like, like, like it's, it looks exactly like the, same, like the same precedent as a Fiji mermaid. Like they took multiple animals, taxidermized them, and then glued them together. But this is walking around. Like there's actually a video clip of this thing walking. 
This is it's not just still frame. So um, you can you could I, I you could put mechanical. You parts can't in that glue thing. antlers on a dog. I don't put, think that's a dog, man. I really dude. That don't. looks like a weasel. It looks like it. It looks. Like, <laughs> it, what the hell? Is it that? does look very thylacine-ish. It does it not. It looks look like, like a, a marsupial with that tail. It looks like a mutt. But you could easily you, you could shave a dog's tail. Yeah, but then not that long. It's not gonna be that long. Look at that thing. Put mechanical parts in there and and remote control it to walk around. Like the legs look like a dog's. Yeah, legs. but okay, so it's got the same backwards knees or the their tall ankles. It does. To but the pad. like like Lauren was saying, so did the the Tasmanian tiger. Same thing. It had. Like, I mean, with, the thing looked canid from the outside. Everything about it looked canid, but it's a marsupial. Like, sure, Jake, you got these pictures up. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at just pictures on Google. It looks like a dog with antlers. I I don't <laughs> think so. And a shaved tail. I don't, and I don't know when these pictures came out. Uh, I meant to look and see like when they came out. I'm seeing dates as far back as 2015. I mean, you can't do the AI thing because that wasn't around back then. So you'd have to go with something physical, like what CJ was saying, where you have to dress up a dog. But I don't think that's a dog. Yeah. So I think that's a body of a dog. That's the head of a badger. Antlers or something. And the tail, the tail is very... Rat-like. Yeah. But I mean, like you could get like tails like that off of like... Uh... Shit, I can't remember what the animal's called. I'm picturing it in my head. But... Like a possum. I, I, I think... Really... Here's the thing, man, is I think if you want, it's just too much work. That's too much work. I mean, I know a lot of people right, go they, into... I mean, they did it with the Fiji mermaid, uh, multiple Fiji mermaids. F- Fiji mermaid was bullshit from the get-go. Everybody knew that. Come on, man. So I mean, was there, 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 there was... No, man, I don't think so. I, I mean, I can't say that it's complete bullshit until... Oh, shit. Shit. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry, I'm trying to watch the video of this thing walking around. But then again, you know, I'm a Christian guy, and I believe in the awesomeness of God's creation, and we would be having this exact same, you know, conversation if no one knew what a platypus was, and we're just like, this is ridiculous. This is complete horse crap. Mm-hmm. Look, at it. it's got a duck bill and, a, like, a, was it, a, a beaver tail, all that stuff. And poison spurs is ridiculous. So who knows? I don't know. So wait, where's this video of this thing walking around? Because ah, I'm trying to find it. I saw a clip of it, man. I don't know where the hell I saw it. Because I mean, with today's CGI or even like our modern day robotics, it wouldn't even be that expensive to make something that size walk and look somewhat natural. I just, I'm, you know, I don't know, man. I'm just looking at the structure of this thing. I'm getting a lot of alerts about you, CJ. About me, yeah. Participant fat ass is having a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he. Oh, is. you know, it's probably because I have. It's probably because I have YouTube on. Oh, yeah, maybe. There we go. Because I was trying to find the video of it walking, I couldn't find it. All right. I found, but the, yeah, the picture. It I, no, I'm going Fiji mermaid. That's there's there's no way that that's a legitimate taxidermized animal or whatever. I am not throwing this away. That's my trash. opinion. But it's so small too. Does it get bigger? Well, this could be a pup. Could be fake too. Could be. It doesn't feel stocky enough to be a pup. Like if you think of things like dogs or even like 
cats, their proportions are different. They'd have bigger heads. They'd have bigger paws. Yeah. If it really gets as massive as they say. You know, I'm not, I'm not really going to disregard size. Like, how many times have people been scared of something and then severely hyperbolized the size of the animal, right? So yeah, that's true. They could have seen this, like, you know, it could have snarled at them, been real scary, especially if they've been like drinking or something, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And then, and like, yeah, but how does how does that thing go? Like, that's the size of like a cat maybe like a jack russell or something yeah how do you go from that to bear size i don't know fisher that fishermen doesn't look go like from, the proportion fishermen of... go from minnow to 15 pound walleye bass hybrids in the course <laughs> of three retellings of a story like it's just it's just how things happen people people like fantastic tales what about the veteran that got stabbed did it sick him like the uh the rabbit from monty python and just gouge him with the <laughs> with one of its antlers right <laughs> yeah right. <And> just gets <laughs> maybe that's they need the holy hand grenade that's what happened the holy hand grenade of antioch <laughs> all right you guys ready to move on yeah all in all in all uh i did not research the video i did not research the pictures i don't know i mean it could have already came out that it's a complete hoax. I don't know. I haven't really done it. But from the outside looking in, if it is a hoax, I think it's a really good one, personally. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What? Oh, this is the one I think you guys are going to really dig. I like this one. What's in the name? The Ozark Howler has been known by various names throughout the history of its reign. According to author Ralph Toller, they include names like the Beast, Black Howler, Night Howler, Mountain Howler, Devil Cat, Nightshade Bear, Catawampus, Whistling Wampus, Midnight Whistler, and Hoo-Hoo. Some of these names give hints to what this creature may actually be. In the early build of the Appalachian culture and lore, a legend told by the European settlers referred to as the Catawampus or the Wampus Cat, as it became known when the Western push took place, was known as a large feline creature that would hide out in trees and attack those that were unaware of its presence. The name Catawampus is a play on the name originally given to the Catamount, another name for a mountain lion. The telltale sign of this creature was the screams that were heard throughout the hollers and hills of old Appalachia. The creature has a few paranormal and supernatural aspects to it as well, but I'm going to have to save that for a future episode, because trust me, the Appalachian region of the U.S. has enough mysterious cats for its own episode or two. Among researchers of the Ozark Howler, the most common explanation is that either the legend of the Catawampus migrated west with the expansion into the U.S. interior and over the Mississippi River. Or, this is a creature within the same family as the Wampus from Appalachia. The similarities are uncanny, except for a few physical descriptions. But the way they act, sound, and their habits are spot on with each other. But the area had a few other groups of settlers that seemed to have an impact on the build of the legend, those being the British and the French. 
In many cases, the howler has a supernatural ability to either throw its voice and or disappear right in front of someone's eyes. This is something that we see in British lore in the form of the phantom black dogs. We have done multiple episodes on in the past. So please, if there is interest, go check those episodes out. Another yes, interesting thing. Of... What? Demons. Oh. Another interesting thing about this creature is that it also shows up aspects of this French werewolf known as the Lugaru. There are a few accounts of the Howler and many accounts of the Wampus having shape-shifting abilities. And if you are familiar with a map of the United States, you will notice that just south of Arkansas is the state of Louisiana, a state that is born from French culture and lore, which also has a form of the French Lugaru, known locally as the Rougarou. But unlike the Lugaru, the Rougarou is thought to not be so much of a shapeshifter and rather an individual of the new cryptozoology heavyweight, the Dogman. So no matter where it is that you look in history, the Howler shows aspects of local lore from three cultures in which the majority of the area was originally built. Does that mean that it's not real? No, not at all. It needs to be understood that when someone attempts to describe something, the only way they do so is with words or descriptions that they are already made aware of. For example, when Bigfoot was first talked about here in America, it was referred to as either a wild man or an abominable snowman. Why? Because that is what we had for reference at the time. The legend of the Yeti or the abominable snowman is older than the United States itself. And what would a modern man see if they saw an upright walking humanoid in a forest covered from head to toe with hair with absolutely no reference to Bigfoot at all? A wild man. Or, if they had heard the stories, an abominable snowman. So no, this does not mean that it is fake in my book. This makes it more interesting to me that people from different cultures were arriving in one geographical location around the same time and were seeing the same thing and using their own words to try to describe it. So what do you guys think? I've heard of the Wampus Cat before, and I've also heard of the uh, Black Panthers in Arkansas and those that believe in those. And I'm wondering if there's a correlation between this and the Black Panthers. Aren't, aren't Black Panthers just like dark jaguars? So it's a melanistic They're... trait. Sorry, go ahead, Lauren. Yeah, they're usually melanistic leopards or jaguars, but technically Black Panther doesn't exist as a species mm -hmm. because it's a black leopard, black jaguar. So you could call a black cougar a right. black panther because it's from a panther so family. Back in a 411 episode we did, uh, we, we remember uh, when I said I had a theory that Jake would believe. Mm -hmm. About the the one snatching the lady up into the tree and then just tearing it up, tearing her apart, because yeah. the footprints went around the car and then stopped. Well, so, okay, uh, yeah. Well, well, the the guy with the the holes punctured in his head, and I told you it was a leopard because so. Oh sure. Or jaguar. He, sorry, jaguar. Like they found him in the the river. That one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. They those animals. That made me I, I think those were jaguars, if I remember correctly. Uh, from the episode, they came, came up, up from Mexico. Came up from Mexico. So if we look at the map yeah. of the United States, uh, the, the jaguars came up through uh, Arizona. Typically, were found through Utah all the way up up to up north. But Arkansas is not that far from Mexico. 
when we look at the map of the United States, and there's no reason it couldn't have passed through Texas at one time and been in Arkansas. So if we have like a legend mm-hmm. of Black Panthers, um, it could have easily have been a real thing. Why are we talking about that? Because I was just curious <laughs> if there was a correlation between the two. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah everyone's I mean, seen this black cat-like figure and stuff like that. They could have, I mean, with the exception of the horns. <laughs> so what if they know. could have seen like like a migrating or like a, a, a territorial expansion of those jaguars from the 411 episode we were talking about? They could, right? And it could be one of two sides. You have the leopards in the west and you have the, the pumas, the mountain lions, the panthers in the east, right? And for some reason, I, I don't I don't understand the biology of it, but almost every feline in the world has a melanistic version. Except right? for mountain lions. Except for fucking mountain lions. There's never been a recorded case of a mountain lion that looked any different from any other mountain lion. But yet, in the Appalachian areas of the United States, there's reports of them. I mean, it's a cryptid. Mm-hmm. The black, yeah. the black panther is a cryptid, or black right. mountain lion is a cryptid in the United States. And I mean, why? What in the mountain lion's DNA says that this cannot be melanistic? It has to be tawny, like every other mountain right. lion that's ever been seen. But you can go see a jaguar, ones with spots, right? Like literally mm-hmm. spots. There's black fucking cheetahs, man. Like cheetah spots. Where this the whole cat's black and you can make out these little darker spots in its in mm-hmm. its in its fur. I just don't get it. I don't understand how every other cat in the world can be melanistic, but not a fucking panther or a, a mountain lion. Right. I don't get it. I, I don't understand. And I, it, you know, you could CJ. You bring up a good point. I mean, this thing could have came west. It could have came from the east. Uh, if it came west, it was a you know a jaguar. The part mm-hmm. the, the part that gets me about it though is the uh, like they talk about like hearing it like scream and stuff, and like when you hear about the screams and whatnot, that's typically something you would hear from a mountain lion, the, particularly when they're mating. Mm-hmm. They scream like women being killed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So in. So to CJ's or fat ass's point, it could be (laughs) (laughs) the only bad word I've ever said on the show. Um, It could be that people in those areas are just so used to seeing mountain lions that their assumption is this is a black mountain lion or they're called a black panther, where what they're really seeing is northern migrating black jaguars and whatnot. Yeah, maybe. Right. My like... question would be is if we're only seeing the melanistic ones, which on the whole are a smaller percentage than mm-hmm. right. the the golden jaguars, why have we never seen one of those? That... Why is it just the black ones? That's true. I mean, if we had seen black panthers in this area, you would think that it would be a better chance of seeing the tawny versions. Well, their territory wasn't predominantly over in the Arkansas area. It was up above Arizona and north. We could be talking about, you know, like right now they have those two jaguars in like, I think it's New Mexico right now. It was like Jefe and uh, the the second one whose name I can never remember. I have no idea what you're talking about. 
we talked about it on the 401 episode. So there's, there's currently, like, Jaguars are making their way back into the United States. There's two of them right now in the New Mexico area that they keep an eye on uh, and, and watch their territory. So we're talking, like, we may not have seen a golden one because, like, Arkansas is so far removed from that territory. Like, it, it's, it's not unreasonable to think it didn't wander over there or migrate that way for whatever reason that it did. But it's not a common thing. So, like, they would have seen this jag, and then they would it would just be multiple people seeing the same jaguar, and that would be why we wouldn't have seen like the other ones because they're just not heading that direction. I I don't think the I think the jaguars were wiped out in the 30s of the United States, right? Something like that. I I don't know. I that, can tell you that one's out of my my reach. The last female jaguar was killed in Arizona in 1949. So, yeah, this could easily have been a jaguar that just found its way over there. I could see it. Definitely see it. Hmm. But Man, I am all for animals going back to their na- natural habitat. But if, if I ever see a jaguar, uh uh I'm out. <laughs> I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There ain't no jaguars here in Canada. Love to ask Kenzer. Except for the Canadian jaguar. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Uh, all right. So I really want to go over this next part. This this next part is extremely exciting to me uh, because bioluminescence. This, yes, this here is uh, this is wild. This may change the game in a lot of cryptid stories or a lot of cryptid sightings that were previously unbelievable. The eyes. One key feature of the Ozark Howler is the fact that many have reported their eyes glowing red, even without any light used for reflection. This means that their eyes aren't reflective like what we see if we shine a flashlight at the tree line in our backyard, but rather that the eyes produce a sort of bioluminescence that is unseen in any land mammal documented by science. Well. I'm very pleased to tell you that this isn't 100% true. It was during the research for this creature that I was proven wrong when it comes to this. I originally saw the statement that Tasmanian devils had eyes that produced their own light in the darkness in the book The Ozark Howler by Ralph Toller. So I had to take a sidestep and look into this more because if this is true, that would be an absolute game changer. Something that I believe to be impossible, or at least not yet accomplished by a land mammal, would change a major flaw in many cryptid stories to a possibility. What I found was that although true, it wasn't 100% what he claimed. According to AustralianGeographic.com.au, there was a discovery made in 2020 that a rather large number of Australian mammals had glowing parts of their bodies when exposed to ultraviolet lights. This was true for the Tasmanian devil as well. In fact, it wasn't just the eyes, but also the skin around the snout and portions of their ear would do so as well. Many may be asking the question, why does something that glows under ultraviolet light mean anything to us? We can't see it. True. But this is the step of the color spectrum just above the visible range of colors to the human eye. It is not a stretch of the imagination that a simple tweak to the adaption of an animal could change from ultraviolet to our visible spectrum. 
especially since it has been proven that many creatures, such as birds, insects, fish, reptiles, amphibians, and a handful of mammals, see ultraviolet just fine. And this is also true for the infrared side of the color spectrum as well, which makes up the portion of the spectrum below our visible colors. So what does this all mean? Well, this means that there may very well be a whole line of communication for land mammals that we are completely unaware of. And every other known species that possesses this trait uses it as a form of communication about such things like mood, identity, and health. Could red eyes in the night mean something like, hey bro, I'm pissed, go away. All I have to say is, my mind's blown. What do you guys think? So, you're saying that they had some invisible light waves that became visible? Or are you saying that the howler would always be able to see the... So, basically, what I'm saying... Alright, the sightings from the howler, a lot of them, I'm talking a really good portion of them, 90% plus, highlights the red glowing eyes even without right. any kind of reflective... I'm talking about, like, the science. Are you saying that it's something like UV infrared, or are you saying that it's already in the visible spectrum? No. No, no, no. So they're, the, the light that these, these animals emit, and they range from marsupials to mammals in Australia, there's a lot of them, are emitting, they're creating a bioluminescence under their skin, in their eyes. You can Google this that is visible under light that exposes these lights. We right. can't see them without a tool. We need a tool to see them. They looked at them with ultraviolet visuals, such as cameras, FLIRs, uh, infrared cameras, and are able to see this stuff. Now, obviously, the infrared is wrong. It would have to be the other side of things, the ultraviolet stuff. But it has been proven that there is bioluminescence in the eyes and the thin skin around certain areas of both marsupial and mammal animals in Australia. And it's specific to Australia right now. I mean, uh, when this came out, people did research to other animals, North America, South America, Europe, and wherever else in the world. And it's not being seen anywhere else. But to think that something that is in the ultraviolet spectrum or on that, you know, the ultraviolet side of the spectrum for an adaption to be made into our visible spectrum. I don't think it's gotcha. too far out of the, the, uh, the realm of possibility. I think that's very well within the realm of possibility. And it's not a very far step. I mean, ultraviolet and infrared are right outside of our, our, of our spectrum of colors. I mean, they're right on the fringes. I mean, they, there's, there's this whole spectrum of other colors outside of ours. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of. Can't cats see ultraviolet? I don't know exactly what animals other than the ones are just named off of there. But yeah, there are a ton of animals that are said to be able to scorpions. Yeah. There, there's a lot of animals that are said to see it. And I mean, platypi, they glow under black light. I wonder if that has something to do with it. I, I bet you it does. I bet you it does. Is it possible that it's uh like some weird colored version of nightshine? Talking about like eye reflection. Well, I know like nightshine, like in cats and stuff is typically like a greenish color. When you see their right. eyes. Yes. Like, is it possible that, like, this, this reddish color is just, like, a bizarre, like, maybe so, their lenses are different or something in their eyes? So, it's, like, there are animals, there are animals that have red, red uh, eye shine. Like us. 
Yeah, there there are. Like like when we take uh the old cameras before they got rid of the red eyes, mm-hmm. that was the humans version of it. Uh but it would have to be it, it's not something that's even we can't even see it under our own you know, lights. Like if we shine a, a light at someone's face, we can't see the reflectiveness in our eyes. We need a tool to see it. No, well, and, I mean, we've all seen a cat's night shine, like in a dark right. room or something. Like what I'm saying is like, what if this is like similar to that? It's just like a, it, it's a red color instead of like the green or the yellow you would typically get. Well, they don't, they don't have shine. You have to, ref, you have to shine a light at them to get a reflection back. Well, I mean, these guys are outside unless they're like they're in a cave, like at the bottom of a cave or something like. And if they're in that cave, they've got some sort of a light going on. Like the you could catch night shine off the moon. You could catch night shine off of right anything. And like if there's humans present, we have lights. We don't see in the dark. If they're walking around, right. they have lights. So there's no reason that there couldn't be an instance of night shine. That's true. It definitely could be. And there are animals, I don't know exactly which ones shine red, but I know that one of the techniques that Bigfoot uh, researchers use when they're dealing with eye shine is that they are looking for a green eye shine. Uh, that is the specific one to like uh, apes and chimps and stuff like that. I was going to say the same thing, CJ. I was like, yeah, just because they're not you know, shining a flashlight in the thing's face doesn't mean that there isn't a moon out, you know? Or the stars are really bright, or there's you know close planets, you know, or something like that. There's always some source of light, right? The only way they'd be walking around at night is if there was some source of light, like a full moon, you know, because obviously we can adjust so much, but we can't adjust in pitch black, you know. True. What do you think, Lauren? I think that it's in the cases coming as a skeptic in the cases that they are seeing an animal it would be eyeshine. Um, however, I think a lot of the Ozark Howler is heavily influenced by what people, like they might just see an animal and they come up with exaggerations on it, especially when you hear of cryptids with like glowing red eyes that's super common and they're always, oh, they glowed like fiery hot coals. And that's very a uh, pop culture kind of thing. Like even Hounds of the Baskervilles it had the glowing eyes and muzzle, mm-hmm. and that was just phosphorus, of course, in that story. But it's it's a common association with beasts or demons is something with glowing eyes. Yeah, true. It could be just a little mix of, of mythology and folklore kind of getting the best of people. And there you go, just like what CJ was saying. Whatever that, whatever that human brain thing that we do is where we see shapes and clouds and in trees and all sorts of stuff because our you know primitive people had to be very weary of that sort of stuff because you get killed <laughs> you know if you couldn't see the things around you you can see the you know the the jaguar looking at you in the tree you know <laughs> that sort of stuff so you know they get this conception of this this monster that's out there and then they see whatever i mean shoot they could see a mountain lion and be like that's those are color yeah it's kind of like a I also, go ahead. I also think it's interesting to note that a lot of this stuff happens in the woods at dark. They see a black shape and then they think they see something like horns. Those could be branches behind it. And then somebody mm. sees that it looks like it has horns and then that story goes around and now everybody's seen it. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. Just a sure amount of, of uh, reports. Anyways, Jake, 
what you're kind of explaining is sort of like a weird mythology influenced pareidolia. That's it. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're saying that there's a sheer sheer amount of reports coming in of people seeing the same thing. Uh, we experienced that with serial killers. The minute they put out a description of a serial killer or they put out an image of a serial killer, the the police uh, station, like, they'll have yep. to, like, hire extra call. Like, they'll get hundreds of calls all over the country. People saw the same guy. Yep. hundred percent. That's a good fucking point, dude. That's a really good point because, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into that. That's I'm going to keep that one in the back pocket. But, yes, <laughs> good one. Or someone puts out a lie about, you know, spacecraft in the sky and then everyone and their mother has a spaceship story no no jake we've confirmed every take it jake take that yeah yeah congress is definitely not trying to just swindle more tax dollars by making up a fake organization to research fake stuff we can't (laughs) we can't get into this right now we just can't this is well come out with an alien episode so i can crap all over it (laughs) we should we should because this is this is getting really deep and i oh man Stay away from Mystery Stone tomorrow, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave a one-star review. I'm going to leave 30 one-star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Uh... Yeah, I'm going to leave 30 one-star reviews. No, I don't know. I, I have my thoughts about it. But all right, let's move on to another really good part. I like this. This one. This one's very interesting. This is where we start hearing from those famous people. Like Eisenhower. Like Eisenhower. Eventually. Was I right? Yes. Oh, nice. It was like... Uh, For all those that love it, the belief in the howler was so strong that in 1892, leaders among the lumber workers and a few other outdoorsmen were so over the constant fear and hunting of the creature that they banded together and created a secret society of sorts to aid in the protection from and of the howler. The society was officially named the Concentrated Order of the Hoo-Hoo and was officially established in Gurdon, Arkansas. The order still exists to this day and has members from all over the world in the woodworking industries. Their official logo consists of a black cat in a pouncing position encircled by a black ring with the words International Order of Hoo Hoo since 1892 printed within it. The black cat is a direct representation of the old wampus cat lore and their belief in 1892 that the howler was a wampus cat known for making a very deep hoo-hoo sound when it called. At the beginning of every meeting, the poem The Hunting of the Snark is sung before conducting any other business. The poem was written by a man by the name of Lewis Campbell and refers to a specific hunting trip that took place that ended awfully. Although very long, a section of this poem is sung which refers to the snark, which was yet another name commonly used in the 19th century for the creature now known as the Ozark Howler. Many different theories have arisen about the true reasons for the birth of the society, with the main purpose being to protect both the workers and the howler at the same time as an effect to create a way for the creature to live and the woodsmen to earn their livelihood. Two of the more historically famous known members of the Hoo-Hoo were Presidents Theodore Roosevelt and Warren G. Harding, which was a huge chapter in the history of the society as it began its involvement in not only local politics, but national politics as well. With the society in the Oval Office, it was granted numerous federal resources for its cause. 
I just wanted to make note that all this information on the order came from a book written by Ralph Toller titled The Ozark Howler in which he refers to a podcast for his information called Counting Creatures. But with simple surface research, all the claims in the book are verifiable and lead to many questions and connections, one of which comes to my mind instantly when you hear the name Roosevelt in a reference to a creature in the woods is whether or not Roosevelt's influence in the creation of the national park system had anything to do with his tie to the order of the hoo-hoo. And if so, maybe the theory Roosevelt creating such a system to house cryptids such as Bigfoot and the Howler may actually have some weight behind it. I mean, the Ozarks do have multiple federally owned land claims, and his official position within the society was as president of American Forestry, and it was documented that his initial task was to establish protected zones for the Howler. Either way, this goal extended into his presidency where he established the National Park System. Roosevelt served as president from 1901 to 1909, and the establishment of the Ozark National Forest was made official on March 6 of 1908, and was one of the last things that Teddy did as president of the United States. There is one more interesting tidbit which comes in the form of a conspiracy in relation to these two presidents and the order. Both presidents died of mysterious and sudden circumstances. Roosevelt died in the sleep of a heart attack in his home in Oyster Bay, New York in 1919, just prior to his attempting at becoming president for an unprecedented third term. And Harding died of a heart attack in San Francisco in 1923 while talking to his wife. There are many other conspiracies having to do with Harding's death, but the one that seems the most important in relation to the Howler is that in his toxicology report after death, it was determined that he was poisoned. Both men passed away as active members of the order and are theorized to be on the bad side of its members, with the conspiracy being that many believe that they were killed in some way by way of the order's wishes. Let's discuss Roosevelt's death first. In 1919, Roosevelt had apparently had the order's backing in becoming the first president to serve a third term. In his first two terms, which ended in 1909, ten years prior, he had a very strict stance against any harm aimed at the Howler. This upcoming third term was aimed to be a very different one from his first two. Teddy was known as being an avid hunter, and within those 10 years since his last term, he had grown to really enjoy hunting, and now, as part of his campaign, he claimed to be able to hunt the Howler and prove its existence. He told of an idea that America needed a stronger mascot than the bald eagle and that the Howler would make a great replacement. He even went as far as to mention that he wanted the Howler to be placed on the back of the penny. Roosevelt made a huge mistake by believing that the Order of the Hoo-Hoo needed him more than he needed the Order, and therefore, it is believed that the Order had assassinated him in order to keep him away from a third term as president. It is then said that shortly after a personal meeting had taken place between Roosevelt and the higher-ranking members of the Hoo-Hoo, the organization reached out to a much newer member who joined in 1905, member number 14,945, a Warren G. Harding. Harding was to step forward as a candidate, and the order would take care of the rest. Long story short, Harding 
became the 29th president of the United States. Unfortunately for Harding, he was surrounded by lobbyists once in office and approved a bill that increased the number of provisions extracted from the Ozarks, and this was in direct contradiction to the order's cause. On August 2nd, 1923, Harding died in room 8064, aka the presidential suite of the Plaza Hotel, by an apparent heart attack while in the presence of his wife. To add insult to injury, after future renovations to the Plaza Hotel, the presidential suite room number was changed to 888. Why 888? Well, it's not 100% certain, but the belief is that the number 888 is a direct reference to Roosevelt's member number, which was 999. The reduction in number being a tie between the place of Harding's death and another member that seemingly betrayed the order. Now, earlier in this presentation, I told the story of three veterans who had a nasty run-in with the Howler in 1946 in Marshfield, Missouri, and I mentioned that there was a famous visitor who made a trip to the town. Well, that visitor came on September 29, 1948. It was none other than President of the United States, Harry S. Truman. During his speech, as he arrived by railway, Truman made note that he had previously visited this small town time and time again. This turned out to be true as he was not only very familiar with the town elders, but was also a member of the Freemasons in which he spent a stint as their Grand Master from 1940 to 1941. Truman was born in Missouri and was initially a member of Lodge Number 450 in Belton, Missouri, before doing many stints as a member of various other chapters and other secret societies. Now we have to go back to the hoo-hoo in Roosevelt and Harding for a second. Sometime after the death of Harding, the order split into two separate identities due to many members being upset with how politically motivated the order had become. The order of the hoo-hoo still exists to this day, but the spinoff, which was now simply known as the Sawmen, took over the original goal of the Hoo as protectors of the Ozarks and the Howler. The Sawmen stayed active with the Hoo but were a completely non-political entity other than accepting funding for their protection plans, which was filtered by the order. The Sawmen became a real, quote-unquote, secret society. It stayed completely out of the limelight. They went as far as to even hide the entrances to their bases and meeting halls many of which were underground. This is where Truman comes in. Truman approved funding to the Sawmen for a specific base while in that meeting at the Masonic Lodge in Marshfield. This base was just a few yards away from the shores of the Osage River in Missouri and came equipped with a waterproof door due to the threat of flooding by the river and a well-placed quote-unquote log jam used as cover from people passing by. The mission of this base was to be a central control for protection of the Ozarks and the Howler from the population boom in Springfield, all the way to the Kansas border in response to the attack on the men building their homes. Fifteen years later, the Truman Dam would be built very close to the original entrance of this base, which ended up making that section of the river into a lake that completely engulfed the original entrance of the Sawman's base. The reason being that the nearby growth of the city of Osceola was getting out of hand, and the threat of someone finding their secret government funding hangout was becoming more likely. So the dam was built and named after the man who funded the base, 
and a new secret entrance to the hidden Solomon base was placed somewhere within the walls of the Truman Dam. It is believed that this base is no longer used by the Solomon due to flooding in 2019 and 2020, but that hasn't stopped the Solomon, as they are still a society standing for the woodsmen, workers, and Ozarks to this day. Thoughts? Not much of a secret society if you can get that much information on them. Yes. Well, the Solomon are t- are hard. Like you can't really get too much into them. Now, the Order of the Hoo started off as a secret society, and is no longer a secret society. Like you, I dude, I found memorabilia from them on eBay. Like you'd find like old tin signs and stuff of this this cat with the uh, Order of the Hoo written around it. It's pretty cool stuff. That's pretty cool. I mean, does this lend any belief? Does it? I mean the the people who are involved in this, does this help at all? Not really for me. Really? Plus, now that we've seen a picture of, apparently, the Ozark Howler, I will say that the bald eagle is definitely better than that. <laughs> Even though all the sounds of the bald eagle, all the bald eagle sounds are fake, and those are from a turkey vulture, but whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought, the, I thought the, the bald eagle was done by the red-tailed hawk. Oh, yeah, probably. Oh, it was supposed to be a turkey vulture, and then it was changed to a bald eagle, but the red-tailed hawk is all the sound effects because a bald eagle actually just makes a cooing sound. Sounds kind of like a chicken. Mm. What were we talking about? Uh, if we, Before we start dying about eagle sounds? If all the, if all the stories uh, change your opinion about if it's real or not, uh, not really. All this government involvement? No, nothing? Presidents are always okay. involved in some sort of secret society. That doesn't make them legitimate. Right. True, true, but the simple fact that that all this response to the Ozark Howler, I mean, the only one that didn't have anything directly to do with the Howler was Harding, but he was in the Order of the Hoo. Yeah, but it's also said that Roosevelt created such massive swaths of land for, uh, for animal protection was also for Bigfoot. And are we really taking something called hoo-hoo seriously? Don't say that. They'll fuck you up. They fucked well, they up Roosevelt anymore. and Hardy. No, yeah, they do. Oh, they do? They yeah. do. Yeah, they said that they, they, they're the Salmon now. No, they split in the two. Both oh. of them still, still exist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get memory real from both. That's like calling us the Order of the Gooch or something. Right. Like, <laughs> you make sure you clean up your hoo hoo. Like, come on. Like, yeah. I can't take that serious. I mean, it's a legitimate thing. It was named after the creature. One of the names was the Hoo-Hoo. Oh. I like the name The Beast. It should have been Order of the Beast. Right. Now, that would have been misconstrued these days. We'd be like, wow, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty dark <laughs> and, and satanic. But like, that would have been a lot better than Hoo-Hoo. If it exists, it's demonic in origin. Just because of what type of witchcraft was being practiced back in those times. Uh, well, in <laughs> Western culture. Anyway, writing um, these things down, Lauren. In terms of the societies, I don't. People will form a secret society around anything just to be kind of part of a club for power, for pot- politics, for prestige. Yeah. So I don't think that necessarily gives it the Ozark Howler any weight. Also, considering how large, like, look at Nessie and Loch Ness. Look at how large that's gotten, and we're pretty darn sure that that does not exist. Um, 
even just your guys' episode, that was kind of the general consensus. So I, I wouldn't be surprised that something like this would get to be a huge legend and then there's just offshoots from that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that the the time of Roosevelt's death to when he supposedly had this meeting with the hoo-hoo and he came out and said, well, I'm going to hunt this bitch. And then he just died, like, shortly well, after. You're going to release this episode, and I know where I'm going when I die, so I'm going to hunt this thing. <laughs> okay. Oh, here comes the hoo-hoo. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't care, right? Yeah. Oh, no, I won't have to pay bills and taxes anymore, and I'll be home with Jesus. Like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and Whitney gets $500,000 for my life insurance? Man, what what, what if you get there and he taxes you on something? <laughs> I don't know, man. But yeah, I mean, honestly, this is wrapping up to just be another one of those things where just like wanting to take, you know, was it Tales from the Animal Kingdom? We'll have to take him up on his offer for the Shrieking Woods. We're going to have to go to the Ozarks yeah. and see if we can actually find this thing. Or maybe it's that little rat dog cat looking thing with the antlers <laughs> and maybe it's maybe it's legit maybe it's just like what lauren drew and we're gonna have to prep a wall mount for this thing quick start shaking a cup we need funding to go do this hunt yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm gonna waste some books <laughs> <laughs> you know going back to that picture i don't know man i i look at that and i see if that's a if that's a a youth i think that mom or dad looks fucking scared that's just me but, but i agree with lauren though we see that in in felines and canines and i'm sure other animals too that the paws the ears they're pretty much they're not exactly the adult size but they're way bigger if the animal is supposed to get massive right yeah and so it's like i i don't know i don't buy that that thing is a is a pup considering it's so skinny and lanky and its paws and ears are so small so the one thing i do want to point out is like we're talking about something that could be feline in nature but it also has antlers right where if we're looking at the animal kingdom as well um something like a feline packs claws and fangs because they're predatory an animal packs antlers as defense mm -hmm. so we're look so like you don't really see both things typically in one animal where they have you prey animals typically have defensive weapons where predators mm -hmm. have offensive weapons we're looking at an animal that has both hmm. Fiji mermaid taxidermized animal oh very interesting cj i mean this is definitely a, a long shot but there have been animals and even people who will end up with like keratinized growths um that can show up on the the face or the forehead that mm -hmm. resemble kind of horns they're not going to get to the size of like a ram's horn or a, right. an elk antler but you never know maybe somebody saw a bear with some weird keratinized something on its forehead and was like those are horns and then that spurred all of these legends mm. yeah, that's a pretty good idea too for sure i like that one rabbits have some sort of disease some of them will get and they actually look like they have some some little they look like jackalopes <laughs> well that's that's where yeah. people are like oh i saw a jackalope and they're like no you just saw a sick rabbit um <laughs> <laughs> that thing would be a mount 
I'd, I'd take one of those and be like, this is awesome. <laughs> no, well, then any rabbit that you have in life will, will always have those horns because they'll get the disease. And we know how much what? you love rabbits. You went, what, what if it, what if it was like, you know, let's really, let's really reach for some straws here. Um, what if it was like a feline-esque animal that had some sort of, it was susceptible to some form of cordyceps? See, now cordyceps that's... Cordyceps stalks on the head. Cordyceps is a scary thing. I, th- I think that if cordyceps can ever make the jump, that's really bad for us. <laughs> Talking about the fungus? Yeah. yeah. The thing that basically it drives the, the creature, like it just jumps in into the driver's seat. It just drives you up until like the, the top of a bush and then you just die there so that it can grow underneath the sunlight. It's, I mean, it's, it's literally zombification. A lot of them behave in different <laughs> patterns. Some of them uh, make the animal turn into bait for predatory animals so it can breed in the intestinal tracts of the predators. But like, it, I mean, it, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that a species of cordyceps maybe found its way into a smaller feline species that maybe we hadn't classified at the time. This cordyceps could have taken it over, made it violent in those in those instances. Uh, cordyceps are also known to form stalks in the head. Um, especially like with things like snails and stuff, it'll form a, a set of stalks to take it, take that over. Uh, hmm. It's not unreasonable to think that it would make it violent. Uh, and then if it wiped out that feline species before we had a chance to classify it, hmm. definitely wouldn't be the first wild cat to get wiped out of the United States. That's right. No, you're right. Definitely wouldn't be. Now that you brought it up, I'm gonna have, that's that's what I'm gonna dive into tonight. I'm not gonna be able to fucking go to sleep now. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw this picture of like the the bottom left picture with these like grub worms or whatever, and my yeah. scalp started itching, and I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, you see, it's it it gets like these fungal growths, and it are literally drives you. Are they hard or are they yeah. soft? Nah, they're hard. The species. It depends on what that type of cordyceps is designed to, like how it reproduces. Like the cordyceps itself, its whole thing is for it to reproduce spores. So it yeah, depends right. on how it does it. Is it in the intestinal tract of another animal or is it in the sunlight, Jeremy said, or is it under a damp rock? You know, however, that fungus creates more spores and that determines what it does. Yep. Hmm. But it's literally the concept of many zombie movies, but in the insect world. Hmm. All right. Y'all ready? Ready. All right. There are those that hate it. Yes, it does seem to be true that there are plenty of entities that were created in order to protect a creature. But what were they protecting the creature against? Uh, Yes, of course, they were protecting it against the average hunter. And yes, that applies to small towns, people driving down lonely, dark dirt roads, campers, and even people who were seeking the creature out directly. But the creature also had another enemy who came in the form of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church's second minister, one Horace Greenleaf. Minister Greenleaf was accepted in by all hands of the church's congregation and during his first sermon pointed to a stained window with a depiction of the howler and identified the creature as an evil presence and one that sided with demonic entities. This was met with a split of emotions by the people who received the sermon. 
The church's choir director, Miriam Frawley, was one of which who were thoroughly upset with the words of the minister. In her anger, she left the church and gathered a group of the most prominent families of the congregation, and together they created a pamphlet in which they described the howler as akin to Christian angels. She claimed that the simple fact that the creature's image was enough to send the bravest running for the hills since angels were depicted as not being the beautiful humans in white cloth with white feathery wings, but rather they were described as flying eyeballs, burning wheels in the sky, two-headed serpents, among other terrifying images. Following with the fact that if you encountered an angel, you would scream in terror instead of worshipping it. Tension got so bad that on Christmas Eve 1907, Greenleaf stood before the congregation and proclaimed that he would not stand to serve the church unless the window had been removed and continued to grab a large brass candlestick and hurled it through the window. The window shattered, and the collective breath was taken out of everyone who witnessed the tantrum, and about half of the members stood up and walked out of the church for the last time of their lives. Frawley was furious and yelled back at the minister that the church would be cursed due to his actions. A week later, on January 1st, 1908, a fire broke out in the church and completely destroyed the building. The blame was set solely on Minister Greenleaf and his deeds against the Howler. Another conflict between the Howler and a church took place in the early 1900s in the town of New Dixie, Arkansas, at the St. Boniface Catholic Church. The church was a place for the predominantly German migrant population to worship. But rumors surrounding the church of occult practices, satanic worship, the abduction of infants and toddlers, and a secret black altar in the basement, which was said to all be centered around the Howler. One day, the building nearest the church, which some claim was the true covenant of the rumored satanic worship, was set ablaze during the church's mass. The leaders of the church sent a few volunteers to tend to the fire instead of notifying the local fire department. This was a mistake as the fire quickly traveled to the church and the building burned down completely. In a similar fashion to the onslaught of the Black Dog of Bungay that we covered in our 91st episode titled Black Shuck and the Other British Black Dogs, some claimed to have seen the beast prowling around in the fire as if it were enjoying the entire event. That's it, everybody. That's everything that I have on the Ozark Howler. Two episodes. CJ. Yep. <laughs> okay, you lost me. Why did the guy throw the candlestick through the window? The howler was was seen as a demonic entity by him. And he yep. did not want to uh serve the church under the image of a demonic entity. Churches have done that for forever, like uh really old cathedrals with their gargoyles and stuff perched on the outside. Amen. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's real, you know. Right. I'm just telling you the Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. But yeah. it's really they equated it to like things like the seraphim and the cherubim and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera on that too. Like, because none of those none of those angelic descriptions match anything like the howler. Like they don't even they don't even look like right. That. It sounds like such like a horror movie base. Like we have a church, but it's not really church. It's Satan posing as a thing, running a church that's pretending to be worshiping God, but really you're worshiping Satan. Like, hmm. both of those cases just kind of feel like human hysteria to me. Sounds like yeah. Dean Koontz wrote it. <laughs> Dean Koontz has one good book. That is it. Don't you ever 
disparage Dean Koontz in front of me. I will I will walk to he Wisconsin and deal with you. You should. Then we can finally shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, one good book. That's it. So that's it. Lauren, how was it? It was great. It was fun. Tell me how bad it was. The beginning was a little bit I feel like I was kind of nervous at the beginning. I talked really fast and too much, but during the intro. But you know what? Y'all aren't nearly as intimidating as I thought you would be. No one talks more than Jeremy. <laughs> Listen, badass. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's ask the final question. Jake, you first. Real or fake? Fake. I'm unconvinced, and I was definitely more unconvinced when you know all well not all but most like you said of the newer sightings were all fake Mm. because it was one person multiple different um usernames and stuff Mm -hmm. which isn't even like that out of the realm of possibilities because i one person gave you two five-star reviews using different (laughs) names so that could mean that one person could make just a bunch of different usernames at different times, even if it's spaced out between like a week or a month or whatever, and just say, I had this experience. And then someone else says, I have this experience. And it's the same yeah, person. True. You know, that was that was my hope, was that there would be photographic evidence with newer sightings. And we see the photographic evidence, and it looks like, you know, either like the mermaids right where it's just like a monkey taped to a fish <laughs> or or and everyone's like worshiping it and stuff or you know it's just not as even if it is real it's not nearly as impressive as people are making it out to be so if it is israel it's it's not what they say and i'm really just chalking this up to in my mind that it's just it's like the Snallygaster. It's just another type of legend that people got all way big into. And I think during the Snallygaster episode, uh, who did we have on that one? Snallygaster, we had Sarah. There we go, Sarah. Sarah from the Snallygaster Museum. <laughs> I should know that, right? But um, she said that there was a huge cult following around the whole thing, a lot of witchcraft and stuff and everything like that, but yet there's zero evidence of its actual existence. And I think that it's just like that, you know, secret side societies aside, I mean, that could just be a part of like the major cult following of this thing, right? It's just a really cool local legend, way cooler than the Fresno Nightcrawler. Um, and so, <laughs> but I'm I'm not convinced because of the um, because of the attraction and the um, you know mass hysteria around it or the popularity of it that that makes it real and i'm certainly not in the realm of people that think that just because you you all think about the same thing that summons it into reality so i'm just not convinced but at the same time if we wanted to plan a trip to the ozarks to go find it even if it was like a cool road trip you know just post out and see you know set up some game trail cameras what can we see that would be cool too Get taken you know? by the hoo-hoo. Just robes thrown over our heads. I was going to make a joke, but I'll keep it to myself. Oh. Right, I, same thing. Same joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, CJ. I'm with, I'm with Jake. It's, it's fake. 
I feel like yeah. I was like real heavy onto the, like the witchcraft portion of it, and like if if anything, like the initial stories of like it being like this big monster with like horns and all over the the place all at once and like assaulting people, like that would be very like demonic spirit summoning for vengeance reasons. Like, but uh, no, mm-hmm. we have a guy who played with lead a lot came down and claimed it was real. Like, um. You know, it was a cat with cordyceps. I like that explanation. It was a cat with cordyceps. I hope it wasn't a cat with cordyceps. I hope not. I hope that's not a thing yet. But I, I like <laughs> I like that one. All right, Lauren, what do you think? Well, like most cryptids, I think that somebody saw something at one point that was some really messed up bear, some really messed up cat, and went, that doesn't look normal. And then... I think the point was interesting when you are talking about all the different English and French folklore and how it ended up kind of being a mix of those. And I think they were explaining something normal, maybe it was not a good look at it, maybe kind of messed up, got in a fight, had some growth on it, and they explained it using their legends, and then that spiraled. Because, I mean, they were all out in the woods. They were seeing bears, they were seeing cats, they were seeing shadows. And if you're hearing all about this demonic-looking beast, you're going to use that to explain it. Plus, it's a cool story to tell your friends. Be like, I fought off this beast. I almost died. Yeah. It kept destroying our timber out in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, that's you. What do you mean the project needs more funding and you need more time to build it? What happened? (laughs) Oh, let me tell you. Man, that's a crazy story. Now, if that guy really got stabbed like that, that that is interesting. But I've been stabbed by a tree branch before. It, it could have just been some dudes fucking off doing stupid shit. Somebody gets seriously hurt, and you're like, dude, shut the fuck up. This was the howler. Okay, this is how we're going to blame this. <laughs> <laughs> now, come here so I can pull that log out of your shoulder. <laughs> you know, if I go to jail, then this place never gets built, right? You know that? <laughs> You know how we did the thing they said we shouldn't do? Yeah, we're going to need you to be quiet about that. (laughs) At one point in my research, I was actually getting really convinced. Uh, I came into this not believing a single thing. I thought this was just going to be some cool story. I love the folklore aspect to it. Love the the, uh, integration of different folklore into one thing. And I love when different cultures come together and create something i love mm-hmm. i love that and you see that a lot within the world of cryptozoology who's that i don't i don't remember the podcast i was on but we were talking about the do- oh i was on phil's podcast and we were talking mm-hmm. about uh dogmen yeah and i was talking about how if you look at the two points in the united states where the dogman phenomenon basically started where all of the lore starts is basically in michigan and louisiana Right, Louisiana with the Rougarou and up in Michigan with the Michigan Dog Man. And you draw a line directly down the middle. They basically line up right over each other. And both of them were initially homes to French immigrants or French explorers were coming in through that area Mm -hmm. or those areas. They brought over their their culture, their lore of the Mm -hmm. of their werewolves 
you know, the obviously the werewolves came from places such as Romanian, uh, Romania first, and then made its way to France, where it was named the Lugaru. Then it came up, was named the Rugaru. And then you had these two that came down the middle. And if you look at maps and you look at where the, the dog man phenomenon is mostly prevalent, I mean, although it's all over the United States now, the Mississippi is where it was born. And you have things like the Beast of Bray Road, which is literally right. just a few hours drive from the Mississippi River. Uh, you have all of these different dog man urban legends that build off of cultural influence. And that's what I was really trying to paint with all three of those things. And, and it was very easy to find that. It was not hidden. It was right there on the surface. You take the, these three cultures, you mix them together, and what do you get? You get the Ozark Howler. I do find it interesting that they all came together and they, they said that they saw something and what they saw was their culture. My only question is, did they actually see something? Because I agree. I don't think any of the the, the modern sightings are relevant at all i just don't i think people are are too quick to want to get some some sort of uh internet clout that's that's it yeah right and i mean shit people say that about me i've had a lot of people uh especially on youtube comments talk about my bigfoot sighting and shit it is what it is but that's what i believe right Mm -hmm. but when you look back in the past i i do think that you know they may have actually been seeing something don't know what it is I mean, you have all of the, the lore about the Wampus Cat. I mean, these people were mountaineers, man. They knew the difference between a mountain lion and a Wampus. And there was a clear difference. We'll go over that in a later episode. But if they're seeing this thing and they're calling it more of a Wampus than, than a lion or whatever, uh, you have to think that they were, they were seeing something. I don't, I don't think it exists anymore. I think there's a good chance that something did exist. I think the horns are a little bit stretched out. And CJ... You really killed it for me, man. You you put that nail right in that coffin when you start talking about the defense animals and the antlers and mm-hmm. the horns. That is like I am a huge fan of biology, man, and that is biology. That that that's proof right there, right? I mean, what what animals in this world have horns that don't have hooves? Is there anything? I mean, they're I don't think so, right? Snails. <laughs> <laughs> I, crabs i don't i don't <laughs> think oh, so rhinoceroses although well those are this way those are one um, me, yes i don't know do rhinos not have hooves i don't know no, they, have don't. Toes, no, they no. get they have toes but they're still technically undulates which are yeah deer and stuff lauren's very smart i like yeah, it she is very smart very smart and when you start looking at the predators you start seeing tusks and saber-toothed teeth, right? Mm. Which are more... Like elongated canines. Like pigs, boars, mm-hmm. right? They have tusks. You see them coming out from the bottom, not from the top. So, I mean, CJ, you nailed it. I do not believe in the modern Ozark Howler. But I think that there might have been something. I just don't think it had antlers. Or horns, or whatever. Good topic, Lauren. This is this is a lot of fun to do. I'm I'm just glad you did it because it's my favorite. I also really liked the Ogopogo. That's like my other favorite. <laughs> nice. uh, Ogopogo. I miss so much on that. <laughs> I've come across so much more information in in my time uh, with this show 
that I, I I really wish I had added to that episode. Maybe one day. Do another one. Maybe maybe one day. I got a lot more to do first. But yeah. Good possibility. All right. Uh does anybody else have anything to say? I think you did a great episode. Ooh, you put you. a lot of time and effort into it, a lot of research and what you were saying, like reaching out to people and stuff like that. I think that you did a really dang good job. Well, this it was, was fake, but it was a good job. <laughs> this was this was the first time that I gathered the balls to send some emails. I even made I made two phone calls. Who did yeah. you call? We'll talk about that off air. <laughs> okay. Um, but you uh, called Roosevelt. No, you did a seance no. <laughs> to ask Roosevelt directly. Uh, but I did reach out to a member of the Who. What? I did. I did. And I was just like looking for history of it. That's it. Just kind of trying to figure out, you know, some of the history behind the name and everything and whether or not it was really tied to the, the Ozark Howler. And sure enough, yeah, that's where Are you it came a from. full-fledged member now? No. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, I mean, this is, this is all, you know, public knowledge now about the right. origins and everything. But, you know, just to hear it confirmed by somebody who is a member or at least claims to be a member. You know, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, Lauren, one more time. Let everybody know where they can see that awesome artwork. Do it. Uh, yeah, so you can see it on Instagram at Elmecum Studio. That's L-M-E-C-U-M Studio. Uh, yeah, go check it out. Like I said, pretty much anything on there is you can buy the original or prints, and I do custom longboards and commissions and all that kind of stuff. She does great work, everybody. Uh, at the very least, please go check it out. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Lauren, thank you for coming on to the, the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast, and thank you for your uh, request. This is cool. I'm happy that I was able to get this in before you took off because uh, you're almost done at work, right? Yeah. Yep. A couple more weeks or almost something. Done. CJ, badass. It's always nice so, to see you, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it was nice having you back, man. I, I miss you. I miss you a lot. Oh, you know that? I appreciate you. I miss you playing Ark. I don't. I haven't turned my PlayStation on in over a year now. A year, oh, going on a year and a half. Well, you look good, man. You, I, I don't think oh, I've thanks. seen you smile before, and uh, got to see that a couple times today. That's pretty good. So it looks like you're in a good place, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely doing a lot better than I was. Good stuff, dude. Jake. Jake. Jake is yeah. Jake. That's it. Jake. <laughs> you know I love you, man. Ah, me. <laughs> All right. Well, that has been another episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Thanks for checking it out, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Yep. Bye. 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 I would like to thank you once again for tuning in to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Please make sure to give us a follow and one of those beautiful five-star ratings on your podcast player of choice. If you would like to join the conversation and stay up to date on all things Infinite Rabbit Hole, head on over to Facebook and search for the Infinite Rabbit Hole Facebook group. You'll know it's us when you see the logo. If you would like to help contribute to the cause, there are a few ways to do so. First, head on over to anchor.fm forward slash infinite rabbit hole and click on the subscribe button, where for $5 a month, you'll get access to all our old episodes that will never see the free spotlight ever again. It's horrible stuff, but if you're into that kind of thing, then go check it out. Second, 
head on over to infiniterabbithole.com and click on the IRH Merch Shop tab and grab yourself a sweet t-shirt, sticker, or whatever else you see that you wouldn't mind owning. Until next time, travelers, I'm Jeremy, and I'll see you at the next fork in the path of the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Bye.